What is the fruit of your life? Yeshua says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me will bear good fruit. Now, what is the fruit that we ought to bear? And the book of Galatians, Paul outlines the fruits of the Spirit. And today, we're going to have a look at each of these just in short. And we're just going to ask ourselves this question. Okay, what does this fruit mean? And is this something that is we in my it, life? Yeah, that we see in our own lives. Yeah. So the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And I think the, the most well-known verse, that the first one that comes to my mind is, For God so loved the world. Now, yeah, we know this verse so well, we can recite it asleep, probably. Mm. But it, this is such, I mean, a mind-blowing verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, mm. that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal mm. life. That is the kind of love that God showed to us that we who were in sin and rebellion against him, yet he loved us. Do we show that love to others? Right. And it also say there's no greater love than this, but for a man to lay down his life for his friend. Mm -hmm. Right. So love is sacrifice. Yes. That is like at the root of the definition of the word. It is when we give something up of ourselves in order to show love to right. someone else as God has did, done that first as our example. So that means that, you know, when there's someone around us in need, we need to and we need to be looking out for those needs and seeing where can we actually make a sacrifice, be eager to give up something for someone else, even if you're not going to get recognized, and especially if you're not going to get recognized, right, especially. especially if they're not going to be able to pay you back. The next one is joy. The the joy of the Lord is, is my, my strength, is my strength, right? Yeah. So we mm. have this joy that we have because he has died for us. In other words, because of what he has done, our life has to be seen in light of that. Like, so we, we all have issues, like we all have problems, we have trials, tribulations, yeah. but yet what he has done for us does not shift or change. And it's kind of this dichotomy of, you don't always have to be happy to have joy because joy is so much deeper than than you can say happiness. Because in a moment, yeah, you might be going through the, the deepest valley of valleys, but yet the joy of the Lord, no, the strength that comes from God, the Holy Spirit, indwelled within you to strengthen you he can give you a joy that you know sense that surpasses understanding mm. and another element of joy is worship worshiping the lord in thanksgiving and in praise and we read in chronicles where king jehoshaphat when the enemies were gathered against israel that he sent forth those who were praise the lord with timbrels with cymbals with with lyre and god routed the enemy through their because of their worship and their joy of the Lord, which was literally in that moment, their strength. That's good. So next one is peace. That's a good one. And we know that the word peace in Hebrew, of course, is shalom, mm. which really means wholeness, completeness. Mm. As Yeshua said, that he would give us a peace, a shalom that passes our own earthly, finite understanding. Right. And that peace is really to be like, wow, God, I I can rest. I can have because mm. He says, "Whoever is burdened, give your burdens unto Me, and I will give you shalom. I will give you rest. That is yes. peace, and that means that in our life, even though we have these worries, even though we have these struggles, 
we can, he says, I'm giving you permission to actually give those weights to me and I will carry them and I will deliver you. And so that's why he even says, he even commands us, which is kind of a strange thing for the world to hear, but he commands us to not have worries for tomorrow. He commands us to not worry about what we will eat or or what we will clothe ourselves with. And he, he talks about the lilies. He talks about how he feeds the birds and, and how he, we ought to have peace in this realm. Right, and walking as a people of peace. Mm. When we look at your life, you know, is there, is there an outflow of peace? Mm. Is there an outflow of wrath, anger, clamor, like divisions of many kinds, envies, jealousies? Uh, when you speak, what comes out of your mouth most? Mm. Is it fear? Because this is the other thing is that, you know, fear is at op in opposition to peace. Fear is all the reasons why you need to worry. Fear is all the reasons why you need to not believe in the promises of God. Fear is all the reasons for why God isn't with you as the scripture says he is. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding because you actually believe that he has all the power over all of these worries, these things that try and rob you of your peace. Oh, you know, scripture says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, peaceful mind. Right. All right. The next one is long suffering, patience, long suffering. Mm. I mean, think about it in relationship to relationships. <laughs> you know, in relationships, you need to show patience and long suffering towards those you love because whether it be children, whether it be spouses, brothers and sisters, they sometimes, you know, will get on your nerves. That's just how mm. we are as humans. But we are told and required to have long suffering, to have patience, the same kind of patience that God showed to us. Mm. Likewise, to those we're maybe trying to reach with the word or ministering to or or sharing biblical truths with do we have patience as we share with them the same again patience that god showed us in our own mess and how mm. long it took us to get to a place of realizing his truths do we show the same yeah. patience to others i think this is a big one right yeah. because for some of us it took 20 years to get to the father mm -hmm. and then it took us another 10 years to repent of our sins <laughs> right and so yeah. When we look then at other people who are maybe family members, friends or whatever that we don't agree with theologically or they don't believe in God at all. It's easy to be like, oh, if, why can't you just get it? Right. Why, why can't you just and, and we lack patience. Mm -hmm. But yet imagine if God had that mentality towards us when we were still sinners, when we were deceived and. He could have just crushed us right there and then. I mean, think about the patience he still shows to us because yeah. we none of us have it perfectly yet and he still has such grace yeah. and such patience if only we knew how much imperfection we actually still have <laughs> how much we still have to learn actually yeah then we'll realize he still has even greater patience for us and we need to hope and strive that we can have that patience for others amen amen okay the next one is kindness mm. now this one sounds kind of basic like oh just be kind right yeah, well, we read that it is the kindness of the Lord that brings people mm. to repentance, yeah. right? So it is when we recognize what he has done for us, that he has been so patient with us, that he has sent his son to die for us, that he, 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 he came and had a 
a plan. He didn't just give up on us. He made great sacrifices despite our betrayal towards him. All the kindness he's shown us was what actually causes us to be like, wow, I actually want to, that's actually driving me to live better. That drives me to want to be a better person and be more like he was kind as he was. And so that means that we have to look at other people and show them the kindness of God. We have to show them the kindness of God that will bring them to repentance. And what does that look like? It means that even if they don't deserve it, that we show up. When they don't deserve it, we, like a good Samaritan, is good. To, we're good to them. Right. And that goes right into the next one, which is goodness. Like you just mentioned, the mm. first thing that my brain thinks of when I think of the word good is the good Samaritan. And what did that good Samaritan do? If you know the history of the Samaritans and the, the Jewish people, they did not like each other. They had a lot of issues and infighting and theological differences. Right. But yet the goodness, the kindness as well, of that Samaritan to when he saw someone in need, in that case, physical need, but when we see someone in need that we go and we put our theological or whatever differences mm. aside and we go to help that person, mm. to raise them up, to to bring life, to to pray with them, whatever that might look like, to to bring them a hot dinner. You know, are we being are we showing goodness to that person, the same goodness that God showed to us? I mean, that's a good one. And then the next one is faithfulness. And, you know, for me, this is just to be one who, who shows up faithfully who is there for someone when they are in trial tribulation need um the you think you think about the poor the orphan the widow you think about um abstaining from any form of malice of and lying Um, when people think of you they need to think of you as someone who's who's there for them and who's truthful in their speech and words and actions amen so the next one is gentleness and that just kind of makes me think about when we go to to share with others, maybe our family members, you know, what God has taught us. We've all often walked through the stage when we're so excited that we want to be a fire hydrant and tell them everything <laughs> and then hit them over the head with the Torah scroll or the Bible because why aren't they getting it yet? Right. We kind of mentioned this briefly, but that is so important because God was gentle with us. Yeah, be bold. Yes. Say what the truth is, but they have to see you know, we have words, right? Mm. But they have to see that behind those words of yours, there is such a love for them, right. a such a gentleness, a eagerness to see their soul saved, an eagerness to see um, them come into a good place, a better place. Yes. If they smell even a little bit of un- of, of uh, unlovingness, yeah, <laughs> pride, or- pride or anything yeah. of that nature in you, then that totally just falls apart regarding your witness. And I would say an important, you know, aspect of gentleness is humility, because it's mm. hard to be really gentle in your approach, even though you're, you are speaking boldly. And there's times and opportunities for the way you address a person like Yeshua. He didn't answer a question. He answered a person. But humility that as scripture says, we don't, we think of others as better than ourselves because we want to bring life to that person. We don't want them to burn. We don't want them to live in bondage. And because of that love, that authenticity and substance and the way we speak, that reaches them greater Mm -hmm. than smacking them over the head as our flesh might want to do. Right. And then the last one that we see here listed, uh, Galatians 5.23 is self-control. Right, and that this is what we all fight every day. It is this battle against our flesh, 
that we need to, as Paul writes, he talks about how he has to discipline his flesh and to keep his flesh in order. He has to make sure that sin does not grow in his flesh and his life, but that he exercises self-control. And fasting is a great way of doing this. Prayer is a good way of doing this. This is why Yeshua said in the Garden of Gethsemane to his disciples to fast and pray so that when the temptation comes, they will have the self-control to overcome it. Self-control is very important. It means that we can tame our, we need to try and tame our tongue, what we say. We need to tame our thoughts, what we think. We need to make sure that whatever we say, think and do is in alignment with what is right and good. Because ultimately, all the things we just mentioned really is summed up in self-control. You cannot be gentle. You cannot be have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or faithfulness if you don't have the self-control to make sure that those things are indeed walked out in your life. You need to force yourself because these things do not come naturally for us. Like the Spirit of God empowers us, but our flesh, our carnal nature, wants to go in opposition to these things. So we have to take self-control and pray for a spirit to help us to do that right and like paul said and the greatest of these these are all summed up in as well in mm. love that's why yeshua said the greatest commands the the commands that sum up the law and the prophets is love the lord your god all of your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor mm. as yourself like you asked at the beginning what is the fruit of your life mm. are we seeking and striving to imitate our messiah to look like him, to walk like him, to love like him, to have the same boldness yet gentleness, the same self-control, the goodness, mm. patience, all of that that our Messiah did, to be wells filled with living water that pours onto others. And we can only pour onto others to overflow if we ourselves have gone to the well to get filled. Are we abiding in him? I mean, that's good. So guys, we hope that this short teaching has blessed you. Uh, please go forward and walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Study these and ask yourself, God, am I actually having these in my life to the capacity that I can have, that you empower me to? Shalom and blessings. Shalom.